Welcome, everybody. Shaggy's House of Horrors. We in the house. Episode 21, Nick. Yeah. I'm Nick. 21. And that's Mike. Shaggy. Yeah. Whatever. We're here. Whatever you want to call me. Yeah. You can call him whatever you want. Whatever you want. Yeah. But yeah, we're here. He's 21, here. Nick. Our our uh, our podcast is old enough to drink now. Right? Yeah, it is. I don't Just know. a little bit. I didn't get, you know, yeah. my 21st, I didn't get super hammered. I did. I, I went out with mom and we went, oh man, I don't even think the bar's there anymore. So you wouldn't be able to relate, but I think it was on 26th near like the old Otis 12. It was called Willows. It was like a hole in the wall. Yeah. And uh, and my godmother, Mary Jo, bartended there, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly. Oh, but it was just like shooting pool, hanging out with mom and and drinking. But I don't remember getting like super hammered. I don't know. I guess my generation, or at least for me, was different. I didn't go out with like a bunch of friends. Uh, at least for the 21st, I didn't. Yeah. Afterwards, yeah. Right. But yeah, my first one was wasn't too uh eventful as far as story time goes <laughs> it wasn't like hey i puked on the bar and pissed myself like i don't yeah. i don't get any of those so no i mean now i probably would but <laughs> 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 yeah i don't know what'd you do what'd you do for your 21st i don't remember. we went to the rack and roll did we yeah huh. I, I don't well I, yeah i guess that would have been the spot because that's where i went all the time around yeah. that time yeah yeah we and went i would have the been, rack I would have been what, like twenty nine at the time. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we did go to the rack. Now I I, yeah. I kind of remember that night then. Yeah, and did Justin, get, everybody came and the cousins. I'm pretty sure. Did we get you yeah. hammered? Oh yeah. yeah, I got you. That was our that was our job. I mean, yep. we got you hammered when you were thirteen. So we were ten bad brothers. Well, we mom and dad were out of town. We babysat you, and yeah. uh, we're not gonna let you just sit around and be bored. Yeah. So and I wouldn't go to bed. So you're like, all right, let's get him drunk and then he'll go to bed. You never did. Nick Nick never wanted to go to bed. Isn't that funny when we're kids, like, we always complain about having to take naps and having to go to bed at a certain time. And now when we're adults, like, we can't wait for that nap. And we can't wait to get home and go to bed. You know, know. it's just, it's it's funny, the reversal of it all. Yeah. Because Nick never wanted to go to bed. Nowadays, you get up and get out of bed and you're like, I want to go back to bed. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'd be sitting down in the living room watching fucking Seinfeld and you just hear Nick just scoot down the stairs trying yeah. to fucking come back down. And there was a latch on the door leading up to Nick's room. And so, like, when he opened the door, it just opened, like, slightly. And we yeah. could fucking see him peeking out. And then my parents would yell at Nick to go back upstairs and he'd cry as he ran back up the stairs. But he, you could <laughs> hear him just, like, slowly scoot down like nobody heard him. He was just... Nick yeah. was coming in like Michael Myers, like nobody's gonna hear me. It's like, oh, we yeah. hear, you. we hear you. Yeah, we hear you, Nick. Sneaky you want, you wanted to hang out. You didn't want to sleep. Yeah. Now, now we can't wake you up. Sneaky little fucker. That's why you're hard to wake up now, Nick, because you did the reversal. Now it's like you're making up for all those times you didn't want to sleep. Yeah, I guess so. And now you're sleeping. Yeah, now I'm sleeping. There's been a couple pods that Nick almost fell asleep at the microphone because I'm yeah. that boring. You've Actually, done it once or twice too. Yeah, I mean, well, we used to, when we first started the show, we used to come at like nine, ten in the morning. Yeah, and, and you'd go yeah. to the duck till two in the morning. Yeah, and, I mean, you and I are uh, <laughs> night owls as it is, so right. you know we ain't going to bed at you know eleven p.m. to be up at seven yeah. or eight in the morning. I'm not, I'm not a morning person to begin with. I was so. up till like three thirty, four o'clock last night. Yeah, but that's because I had to watch this movie. 
Yeah, I was up till three. I watched it fr- yesterday morning when I got home from work. I popped it in because I'm like, oh, it's only an hour and like 27 minutes. So I'll start it at seven and it'll be over by 930. So I watched yeah. it. It was only my second viewing since uh, buying it and watching it. Well, I didn't buy it. Brian bought it for me, but uh, only the second time um, watching it. But yeah. the thing, and and for those that don't know, uh, well, you know, we gave Nick his his Resident Evil and um, and gave him his uh, Marvel. So we're yeah. back, we're back to uh, to kind of what I like. Uh, you know, I've I've always said on the show I'm a huge slasher fan, huge uh, body horror fan, but I uh, got turned on to a bunch of other genres, which is why I started this podcast, uh, which is coming up on a year almost, Nick. August yeah. will be a year. And if it wasn't for Nick, I probably wouldn't be doing this because uh, – and, and kudos to anybody that's stuck by us uh, this long, even past those first two episodes, because uh, doing a podcast by yourself is not fun. Um, it's hard. And if it wasn't for Nick, I probably wouldn't have continued after those first two episodes. I don't know. It was just, it's like talking to a wall, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, the year's coming up. And, uh, so we're going to dip into some, uh, I know we did, uh, French horror was a big thing for us, uh, for a couple episodes. There, yeah. Cause Julie was like pumping out. We did high tension and Titan and raw. Well, you were yeah. there for raw. It was me and, uh, Chelsea, but, uh, yeah, so I discovered a lot of uh, foreign horror that I really, really liked, and 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 Suspiria was the first one that I watched, um, which we've mentioned numerous times on this show, Argento, and uh, you know, I'm a fan of of both of these guys, and uh, some people within the scene, from what I'm told from other friends, is that like some people are either one or the other. Some people are really big Argento fans, or some people love Fulci. To me, they're two totally different directors. I mean, Fulci got the uh, nickname Godfather of Gore for a reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no holds barred with him. Uh, and this was the third, I think the third Fulci film that I've watched, uh, that, that I did watch when I when I started getting into him. Um, third or fourth. And uh, The Beyond is, is, from most, is said to be his, his uh, masterpiece. But... <clears throat> Excuse me. I like, I like all of his films for different reasons. Uh, so we're doing 1981's The Beyond today by yeah. Lucio Fulci. Um, we do have one mailbag question, Nick. Uh, nice. Chelsea asked me a question on Messenger this morning, and uh, I don't. I, I feel like it's been asked before, but this is from like a different angle. She was asking us um, with the current state of horror and how you have like Halloween ends coming out this year. And uh, with Scream getting back to the top of the ranks. And as we all know, we've mentioned on the show before that like slashers kind of died in the late 80s. But, yeah. they, you know, they had that 70s, 80s push. And uh, with, with Halloween ends and, and Scream doing as well as it has, slashers making a comeback. And I remember people asking us questions like, where do we see the horror genre going within the next like five to ten years? Um, which we've kind of already answered before, so I kind of wanted to flip it and uh, and give an ans- give our answer kind of to that question. Only like, what would we like to see within the next five to ten years? Um, yeah. I'm a huge folk horror fan, but uh, I recently watched that documentary of, of that folk horror box set that we both got, 
And I, it was uh, great. I, I learned that folk horror isn't just what we think in America is like, oh, it's Amish or it's British or whatever. Like it has a lot to do with location. It has a lot to do with story. Yeah. Uh, and different, you know, like they like they said, Candyman could be folk horror, Pet Cemetery, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. So I'd like to see more of that. Um, within it's the like next a, five it's a movie years. about like a like a folk tale. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I, I always find kind of neat. You know what I mean? Those urban legends, so to speak. Right. I'd like to see more of that uh, within the genre within the next five to ten years, and and I'd like to see and and I'd like to see it not with like you know uh, like Sharknado or fucking super like B-rated directly video cheesy shit, but I if it's done right, I'd like to see like more monster movies, man. Yeah, like I like the whole monster thing, like Rawhead Rex. I watched it recently. It's Clive Barker. It's cheesy, but it's fun, and it's kind of like that urban legend type shit, too. I'm pretty sure they actually mentioned it on that documentary. Um, and, like, Pumpkinhead and uh, Humanoids from the Deep is one of my favorites, and that's just fucking wild. I don't know, I like the whole monster aspect, because monsters don't give a fuck, dude. They just, like, tear you in half. And, yeah. And I don't know. I just, I'd like to see more monster flicks in the horror genre, I think. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what, like, Ari Aster pulls next. Um, what about you, Nick? What do you, what do you, what do you want to see? Are you, um, are you like, are you happy with the current state or is there certain, uh, I don't know. genres within the horror that you'd like to see pumped out, so to speak? I'd like to see a really, I mean, you probably see this one coming from a mile away. I'd like to see really good sci-fi, uh, no, I know that's like, one, that's one that's never around. I'd like to see a really good sci-fi, uh, franchise. Like a continuing story that's actually good. So kind of like in the realm of like Alien Predator when we're like creating its new thing and right. like making it like a trilogy or like a yeah. universe within a universe Like type something of thing. big. Like something that like the story continues throughout a universe kind of right. like what Marvel's doing and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But like a horror universe. Right. No, that's good. Yeah. Basically and an MC, like the Marvel universe, but a horror and that's what sucks. I mean, I'm going to admit, I, I, I never really did much diving and much research as far as a lot of uh, movies within that genre are concerned. Like, I, I'd like to maybe discover ones I've never heard of before. Like, but there's there's not really a lot on that map as far as radar goes. You know what I mean? Like, you think of, of, of space horror and you think, like, Dead Space, a video game. But then you think, like, the way Alien started out and uh and like event horizon or or like the ones that always just directly immediately come to mind yeah and uh and i've never really done enough deep diving to see if there's anything else out there really you know what i mean i mean i'd love to because i i like you i like that genre too there's there's nothing scarier than uh than space and horror i feel like it's right it's a really good combo yeah and i feel like there are space movies where you could kind of like lean into the horror like you know what i mean like alien it's a gothic horror movie set in space, basically, right. like to me anyway. And, uh, and yeah, I'd, I'd definitely like to see that as well. Yeah, that'd be fucking sweet. Yeah, because Event Horizon's one of my fucking favorites. Yeah, Event Horizon's great. I mean, a dimension to hell in space, like you're double fucked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> for sure. Speaking of dimensions, the beyond, we're uh, going to dive into the beyond here today. Yeah. 1981 Italian gothic supernatural film directed by... Lucio Fulci. And and then this is the thing too. Like I said, this is gonna be like a total opposite episode from last time that we were here, uh, with episode twenty because of the fact that like 
I feel like Doctor Strange was hard to talk about, like plot wise, because there was so much going on. To where today's episode is going to be super easy for us because there's not much plot. No, it's you know just I mean? uh, people getting fucked up. People getting super fucked up. There's, yeah. there's a reason he got the nickname that he did, uh, and um, the Beyond stars uh, Catherine McCall, who was also in the other two uh, movies within this trilogy that he did, and uh, David Warbeck, and the plot follows a woman who inherits a hotel in rural Louisiana that was once the site of a horrific murder, which we'll talk about, that opens the film, and which may be a gateway to hell, and is the second film in Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy, after a City of the Living Dead and followed by House of the Cemetery, which are the two movies that I watched before watching this one, but you yeah. don't need to watch them I didn't in so. order at all. Yeah. Like they have zero to do with each other, but yeah. I feel like it's just like that concept of hell that within the plots that kind of ties them all together. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like his, uh, kind of like uh, John Carpenter with his uh, End of the World trilogy, which is. Um, the thing and in the mouth of madness and Prince of darkness. Like yeah. you don't need to watch them in any particular no. order whatsoever, but they're all fucking great. And they all basically have like a common core theme. So yeah, similar things similar going thing. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we'd have to, we, we should dive into those too. You've never seen Prince of darkness, huh? It's no. fucking great. I've never seen city of living dead or house by the cemetery either. Oh, for Fulci. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're fun. There's a lot of fucking brutal shit going on in those. Yeah. Gosh, forgive me. I can, I can never remember which one it is, but one of the two has the scene I always told you about where the chick's fucking eyes are bleeding and are, and she basically pukes her insides out. I think that's out. House by the Cemetery. It might be. I can't remember. Because I'm, sure I'm pretty sure the shirt uh, that uh, Paul Bear did has that on it, and it's the House by the Cemetery. Shirt. Oh, yeah. okay. Good call, Nick. And there's one, there's a scene too in one of them where like a drill goes through a dude's head and they show it like, you know, like most of the time in a movie, they probably wouldn't show the whole thing. They literally show it go through his head and out the other Mm. side, like hole and all, like it's great. And one thing about the beyond too, before we get into it is if, and he just seems to be, Fulci just seems to be really popular with this is if you don't like eye trauma, stay away from this movie Yeah, because there's eyes popping out everywhere. He likes and it's the so eyes. fun. Yeah, well, he d- I mean, zombie. How can we yeah. forget zombie? Nick has the 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 Blu-ray cover zombie, and Nick, tell him what it has on it. Yeah, it's got a it's got a chick getting a wooden stake through her eye, and you can move the case back and forth, and it shows it going in and out of her eye. Yeah, the big fucking ass wild. fucking splinter. Yeah, it's pretty crazy looking. And this uh, this movie has a lot of weird shit in it. Oh yeah, which we'll get into. It's a, it's a weird movie. Like you said, there's not much of a plot line. But what no. I mean, what plot there is is good though. Yeah, and I, like I and it. and I feel like you watch this movie for its atmosphere, for the soundtrack, and for what you know Fulci's going to give you, which is fucking gore. Gore, yeah, and gore done really well, honestly. Yeah, um, we'll get into the the special effects makeup of this uh, of this movie a little later. But um, if you're if you're not a gore fan, then this movie definitely is not for you because you're not really going to enjoy it. And yeah. if you're looking for a movie with uh, uber plot and storyline, uh, this isn't it either. Yeah. So, Although but it is it is still old school effects. So yeah. if you, I mean, it's not as realistic as like the new CG shit 
because it's all practical, but right. it still looks really fucking it, it, brutal. It looks, yeah, it looks fun for sure. Yeah. And uh, and speaking of, of soundtracks, you know, like I said, there's some of these foreign films where, you know, the killer's chasing some chick and there's some heavy metal music in the background yeah. when it's <laughs> like, it it doesn't fit the atmosphere, but this, yeah. this uh, soundtrack is actually really, really well done. Um, and uh, Fulci commissioned composer uh, Fabio Frizi, Fritzi, Frizi, forgive me, I'm probably going to butcher yeah. all these fucking names, but... Um, snagged him to complete complete a musical score for the film and in 2016 rolling stone ranked freezy's score the 11th best horror film score of all time nice and uh and i think it's well deserved i mean it's no goblin like when argento uses goblin it's the best but um he's done a lot of other stuff too hasn't he i don't know i didn't really look into him too much but I'm pretty sure I own a couple other movies that have him. Probably. As, uh, I mean, when you buy the Blu-ray to this movie, which we'll talk about the release of this movie later and, and all the craziness of it, um, yeah, it, it comes with, with the, the soundtrack. Yeah. I just I just noticed that. I don't know why I didn't notice that when I first bought it. Probably, I, I probably just forgot. But yeah, the soundtrack's in there. And I, and I like that a lot of these uh, foreign films that you know are known for atmosphere, known for music, I like that that's like a little added bonus. Yeah. You know, like the... Uh, when when Synapse put out um, the Suspiria Steelbook, it was like sixty bones, but it came with the Goblin soundtrack. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're kind of getting two for one. You're and a beautiful Steelbook. So if you're, if you're a collector, steelbook. if you're a collector, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Um, so uh, the the film opens in 1927, Louisiana. Yeah, black and, and white. The, and there's an artist. Yeah. Well, here's the thing too. Is the next right the the openings in black and white are kind of like a tan. It's more like a sepia. Yeah, I was trying. I know. It. And you know what's funny is I knew we were gonna talk about that to start, so I was trying to think of what the name of that color was, and I couldn't yeah. get it. So you got it. Uh, and the the interesting thing about this, this opening scene too, Nick, that you mentioned that is that um, it was filmed in color at one point. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure if it's available, but I think I read somewhere that it might be on the Blu-ray as like a special feature. It might be on the extras uh, disc. I it haven't looked be. yet. No, there's I a separate either. disc for the extras. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess there was one point where it was filmed uh, in color, which nice. uh, the kill scene would definitely be pretty brutal in color. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for the sake of it being back in time, I, I think it, it. Yeah, I liked it, how they it, did it that. It fits that 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 that, uh, that it's like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's set in 1927, and an artist and warlock named Schweck works on a hellish painting in room 36 of the Seven Doors Hotel um, in New, Orl- New Orleans, Louisiana. And it's funny. New Orleans. It's funny, Nick. Uh, I guess in, in I forget which country it was, because these foreign horror films are weird, and in different countries they're named different things, or like they capitalize off like yeah more known shit just to get viewers and uh i think it was called like seven doors of hell in some country that this this movie was um so that's funny that that's the name of the actual hotel 36 of the seven doors hotel yeah it's cool um so there's this warlock in the basement he's like painting this picture and there's basically an angry mob with pitchforks that's coming across the water to uh to hunt this dude down and they yeah. put him in a bathroom he's a well he's like well he's protecting the seven gates of hell and so like there's downstairs like he's in the bathroom upstairs downstairs is uh 
the woman must be like the owner of the hotel and she's yeah. like practicing this black magic with this book called the Ebon. And yeah. I, and I guess the Ebon's a book that was kind of in a couple of HP uh, Lovecraft uh, call huh. of call of C- Cthulhu uh, yeah. uh, stories and whatnot. And it's like deals with black magic, whatever. So it's like, yeah, th- it's like evil dead's version of the, uh, what's that book called? The Necromicon yeah. or whatever. It's kind of like the same thing. You know what and I mean? And it shows up a lot throughout the movie. Too. And, uh, yeah, a few times. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, they, they drag him from his room, uh, to the hotel basement and, uh, and kill him for practicing black magic. And yeah. as this is happening, a white eyed woman reads from the book, um, prophesizing the open seven, basically opens the seven gates of hell in the basement of the fucking hotel. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and, Open the, them bitches. and they, uh, they, they whipped him, ripped chunks out. They fucking nailed him to the yeah. wall. They threw some like acid on his face or whatever yeah. the fuck that was. It was brutal. Um, there's a lot of acid in this movie that just kind of shows up yeah. out of nowhere, which makes it fun. Yeah. I mean, it, it's fun to see the different makeup stages of like how you melt somebody's face off and, uh, and for the time and for the, you know, what they had to work with. I, th- I think they do a good job, it was pretty man. fucking wild. Like, prosthetic makeup, like, I've talked about yeah. it on the show a billion times, but it just beats the we'll shit get, out of CG. We'll get to a scene that I thought was really fucking cool that has to do with acid. <laughs> I know which one you're talking yeah. about. But, uh, yeah, and then they nail him and they throw acid on him and, uh, and basically, you know, it basically curses this hotel, you know, and uh, yeah. and there's, there's stuff lurking in the basement. So then we open uh, to and a hell of an opening scene. You know, I always talk about Suspiria being one of the best openers, but uh, I mean this this opener, um, you don't forget about it. No, it definitely uh, opens it up with a bang. That's for sure. It's uh, brutal. It's it's a tough watch if you don't like gore. <laughs> but I feel like this yeah, whole movie is great. Whole movie's a tough watch if you don't like gore. Right. Uh, so then we fast forward to present day, 1981, where uh, Liza Morell inherits the hotel and uh, yeah. moves from New York City to refurbish and reopen it. And uh, she has like people working outside or whatever, and the, uh, one of the workers gets a glimpse of a wide, a white-eyed woman through the window, and he falls off the scaffolding, and uh, like blood comes out of his mouth and shit. <laughs> And the local uh, doctor is uh, summoned, and he takes the injured man to the hospital. And a bell for room 36 rings. But as yeah. the hotel is yet to open, Liza dismisses it as malfunctioning. Yeah. So plumber Joe arrives to investigate the lack of running water. So basically she inherits this hotel and just nothing's going right. All this crazy, strange shit's yeah, fucking going on. Yeah, it's for Like, a you should probably get the fuck out of there. I yeah. love how, like, people always, like, stick around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's obviously a reason why it's abandoned. But, hey, I mean, if there's money to be made, if you can fix it up, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so the doctor, or the doctor, yeah, the plumber, uh, goes to the flooded basement where he uncovers a brick area and uh, basically by removing these bricks uh opens the gate yeah uh and the, the ghoul gate. like shows up through the hole and uh tears his eyeball out yeah rips that sucker right out yeah. of there eyeballs gone no more balls in yep. his eyes no no nope. zero a lot of eye yeah. trauma yeah they gone 
and uh, the bodies of both Joe and Schweck, because that's what the, the the ghoul from the wall was the dude from the beginning that got crucified. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, so the, the bodies, yeah, the bodies are discovered by the maid, and the maid takes them to the local hospital morgue. So the, the morgue's, like, just overrun with all these bodies all yeah. of a sudden, you know what I mean? Uh, and then... While driving through town, Eliza encounters a blind woman named Emily and her her guide dog Dicky. Yeah, I love Dicky. Um, yeah, we'll get into Dicky uh, later. Oh, <laughs> that didn't sound good. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn it with these fucking names. Who names her dog Dicky? Yeah, a blind woman, I guess. Yeah, right, Emily. Emily names her dog Dicky. Yeah. So Emily warns Eliza that reopening the hotel would be a mistake, and she should return to New York at once. She knows, but it was like she was driving down like this highway bridge area, and like she's Emily's the only one on the road that should tell you something. Yeah, you know, like this blind woman came out of nowhere just to uh, warn me. Kind of like, yeah, you know, her role is kind of like Pascal from Pet Cemetery. Like, then Liza's like, nah, this is the only chance I have to make money. Right. So. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so then she's sitting at a bar, and uh, John urges Liza to give up the hotel project. She refuses. And uh, later, Emily visits Liza at the hotel and tells her about Schweck and Room 36 warning Liza not to go up there. Yeah, well, you know, 36. I mean, if somebody tells you not to go check something out, you're probably going to yeah. go check it out. Yeah, and then she's, like, checking out the painting while she's telling her all this, and her hands start bleeding and shit while she's touching the painting. Yeah, and the painting was... The, pain, the painting was like this barren wasteland that he was painting and yeah. and with a bunch of like dead bodies around it and shit. Yeah. And so, which is weird. Yeah. But, you know, black magic and shit. Yep. So Liza notices that uh, neither of them made audible footsteps as they left. Despite Emily's warning, Liza opens room 36 and, and discovers the book. Yeah. As well as uh, Schweck's corpse nailed to the bathroom wall. <laughs> So she runs and gets John, and uh, John's like, there's nothing here. Yeah, the book and the body are gone. Yeah, oh, so shit. she's seeing shit now all of a sudden. So yeah. kind of, uh, I guess in a way, this movie's kind of a ghost story too, like basically yeah. a haunted hotel in yeah. a way, you know? And so she tells John about the encounter with Emily, but he's like, there's no blind li- woman that lives in this town around there. Yeah. He's like, I've never seen her before in my life. Yeah. And she said she tells him where she lives, and the house has been abandoned. Right, nobody lived there. Zero people yeah. living there. And uh, meanwhile, Liza's architect Martin visits the town library to inspect the hotel's blueprints. And the bu- blueprints reveal a large, unexplained space in the basement. Yeah, don't go. Upon discovering this, Martin is knocked off the ladder by an unseen force, breaks his neck, and is paralyzed. And all of a sudden, in a library out of nowhere, there's flesh-eating tarantulas crawling towards him. And they start eating him. It's great. And they sounded like they needed WD-40. I am no spider expert. They're squeaking. But they're squeaking their way towards him. Like little robotic spiders or something. nod the shit out of him. Yeah, they eated him. And I guess... More eyeballs. Some stuff. of, I guess, some of the spiders were real, but most of them were fake. And you can tell, and then you kind of can't tell. Yeah. And you can tell, and then you kind of can't tell. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not horribly done. It's, no. It's it's slightly it's laughable good for but the year. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that scene was supposed to be 
uh, well, kind of funny. Like you know? like I said, the, this movie filmed a lot of scenes like on a whim, and I feel like that was probably one of them. Yeah, they're like, oh, you fell off the ladder. What do we do now? Yeah. Uh, how about tarantulas flesh, how about, in a library? <laughs> flesh eating ones, to be exact. Yeah. Talk about like trying to find his, stuff that's never been done before. They gnaw his mouth off. And uh, back at the hotel, Martha is cleaning the bathroom in room 36 when Joe's animated corpse emerges from the bathtub water and kills her. Yeah. Joe just be fucking shit up. Big time. Was that, was was her death a uh, eye too? I'm pretty sure it was eye trauma. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. So then, uh, yeah. So uh, John goes and checks out the house where Emily's supposed to live. And he finds the book, the Ebon again, and he starts to read it and finds out that the hotel is one of the seven gates to hell. Damn. Yeah. What news to get? Yeah. Emily is confronted in her home by the animated corpse of the dude from the beginning, and uh, the other recently deceased people are, like, all around this blind chick. Yeah. You know? That, and that's the thing. Like, they show characters throughout this movie go blind, and I feel like it's like once they're in the presence of the evil, they kind of go blind uh, to kind of be transported within that dimension instead of our reality kind of deal is the way yeah. I kind of got it. I don't know. I mean, like we say, there's not really like an explanation for it. It's yeah. just these people's eyes end up going white, which, I mean, look exactly like the blind lady. I so mean, I that, that's we, my uh, take on it. I think we skipped the uh, the morgue scene. Oh yeah, but well, it wasn't in the li- it wasn't in the list yeah. of notes. But so, there was uh, a- okay, yeah, the morgue scene. But there was a morgue scene before the library scene. Yeah, and, and it wasn't. And it 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 was Emily as a young girl, right? Wasn't it a flashback? That'd be my guess. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm pretty exactly. sure it was a flashback. Because she was, it was Emily as a young girl. It was kind of showing like her backstory, and her mom and her were at like the morgue or some shit. Or maybe not. I'm not sure. I can't remember. No, I, I think it's it a shows separate the, character. Because it shows the little girl uh, blinded afterwards. Oh, so maybe. I don't know. It's never that's really, what I it's never it really was, explained. It never that, really, yeah. I, I feel like that's another scene that was just kind of like chucked in there. Right. And for the sa- basically for the sake of like Fulci putting zombies in his movie yeah. type of deal. But that scene um, was wild. That scene was wild because like the character like slips and falls and then like acid just pours on yeah, her face and her like mom, eats it away. I knew you were yeah, going to talk about that scene. Yeah, her said, mom slips and falls and mm-hmm. the little beaker of acid fucking starts dumping on her face, melting her face off. Yeah, and that's a fun scene. her daughter walks in and she's just like standing there watching this acid eat her face away. How did I know that you were going to say that scene when you said you had a scene that you were going to say was your favorite? I just had yeah. an idea. I don't know. We're always on this wavelength, Nick. It's like... <laughs> It's like your fucking Professor X. Yeah. Like, man, c- can you can you just tell right now that I'm hungry without me <laughs> saying anything? I don't know. It's it's uh it's not early, but yeah. I'm starving like Marvin. And, and that's another thing. You probably don't want to eat during this movie either. No, um, but yeah, yeah, it's crazy that, that that scene wasn't really mentioned in these notes that I have. Uh yeah. because I feel like it was just like it kind of threw us off too, you know what I mean? Like where yeah. does it land in the story? Is it even really you know what I mean? But I kind of took it as it was Emily's like backstory cuz after that after she saw her mom get like and then there, by she's acid at the funeral and or whatever shit, and then and her yeah, eyes then, go blind. Yeah, she's at the funeral and it shows her like with her eyes closed and then well, she looks she up and something? her eyes are fucking But doesn't white. she see something first before her eyes go white? Doesn't she see like something evil or something yeah, like that? Something so that, like that so that was my take on this whole film is like when when their eyes go blind that means that like they've seen the evil yeah. from hell or whatever and it kind of puts them in a different dimension outside yeah. our reality um 
So but that's at, why I think it's Emily's backstory. So Emily's confronted at her home by the animated corpses of the recently deceased people, and uh, she commands Dickie to attack. And although the dog chases away the undead, um, the dog turns on Emily yeah, and, and rips man, her fucking throat out, and then like goes for like her ear and tears it off. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like. Wasn't there a dog scene in Suspiria too, kind of like that? But this one's like ten times I'm more brutal. Sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this one was but really fucking brutal. Yeah, man. I mean, he just he just literally goes for the jugular when it comes yeah. to gore. Which I like, mean, dogs do always go for the neck. So well, he definitely went for it, yeah. Dicky. Yep, Dicky. Dicky was hungry. Yeah, he rip out dope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking yeah. Yeah. Chewed that right out. So Emily did. Super dead. Yeah. And so Liza enters the hotel basement once more. Like, why do you keep going down to this basement? You know what I mean? And they're, yeah. they're like, don't go to room 36. Liza's like, fuck it. It's like the basement is a no-go as well. I mean, yeah. your plumber didn't make it, so uh, best not go down there. Yeah. You know? It's not like, oh, well, you know, the plumber fixed it, so right. we're just going to start keep going downstairs. Like, your plumber didn't. It's dead. Yeah. But- yeah, she goes and uh, is attacked by the undead uh, hotel worker. Yeah. In her escape, she runs into John again at the hotel entrance. Upon investigating, there's no sign of an undead worker, and Liza begins to question her own sanity. Uh, again, I said fever right. dream type. Yeah. They drive to the hospital and find out it is deserted except for Dr. Harris, Joe's daughter Jill, and a horde of the undead, which yeah. I, I heard that... Um, the uh, studio wanted Fulci to throw zombies into this plot because zombie was so popular. Yeah. They're like, you got to have zombies. So I feel like right. his heart wasn't super in it because the zombies no. in this are nowhere near as cool right. as, like, as why, zombie. Why are there zombies? Just to capitalize on the fact yeah. that his last zombie movie did well. Oh, wow. Uh, but this scene's hilarious too because John has a gun, right? And he's like shooting these zombies and shooting them in the chest isn't doing anything, right? Right. So then he shoots the one in the head and it falls over. So wouldn't you think that that would make John realize, oh shit, I got to aim for the head. Yeah. No, he keeps shooting him in the chest and wondering Dumbass. why there's 20 zombies in a hallway while he's fucking getting cornered Dumbass. like an idiot. And if you notice, when he's in, when, he, when they go in the uh, elevator and the door is about to shut, he's shoving the bullet into the barrel of the gun. It- Dumbass. Right. I really don't think that that's going to do anything. No, it don't work that way. Right. <laughs> like, you shoot a zombie in the head, okay, it's dead, and then you're going to quit shooting them in the head? Yeah. What? John. Yeah. John, you Lay dumb. off the grass, John. Yeah. John, dumb. John's smoking too much weed. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you've seen what he's seen, you got to rip a dubs once in a while, right? Yeah. Oh, how about Harris, though, when he dies? It's, he's killed by that flying glass. Yeah, just out <laughs> in of nowhere. His face. Yeah. Oh man, it's great. Yeah, the, the kills in this movie are great. Yeah, he loves showing people's faces getting paled. By right, stuff. and I feel like if there's more done to the plot of this movie, there'd be a really cool fucking storyline. Not that it yeah. isn't already, but you know what I mean. Like, right. I feel like you could take yeah. the concept of this movie and just make it really, really fucking cool. Yeah, but definitely. that's not why we watch this movie. Right. Yeah, and it still is cool. Yeah. It's one of my favorite Italian horror movies, but it's just you know what I mean. Yeah, the it is a very it's a cool concept that he didn't really expand on very much. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure if pe- there's certain movie watchers out there that wouldn't be able to see the the art and and yeah. the greatness that this movie has, but we do. Yeah, uh, 
and so I mean if you're just looking for a gory fun time this is right up your alley and if that's not your thing then you're not going to enjoy it but I do uh, if if you have any genres within horror that uh, you feel like checking out I feel like Italian's just fun I feel like it's just the way to go as far as yeah. uh, experiencing something different so John and Liza escape down a staircase right but they discover they have once again arrived in the hotel basement yeah so uh, they're basically stuck in whatever world in they're in now. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Stuck in like a loop. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and honestly, the end of this movie is freaking great, which we'll get to. Uh, yeah. John notes how impossible the entire ordeal is, but has no other choice to accept that it is real. Yeah. So I think that they're basically just not in our reality anymore when it comes yeah. to this. And they proceed through a flooded labyrinth and stumble upon a wasteland, the same landscape that's in the painting. Yep. So they made it. Mm-hmm. to whatever universe it was right and now they're they can't get back they're fucked yeah and the painting was you know the barren wasteland with the bodies and that's what they see yeah um which is awesome to me i, I love that ending yeah it was cool. uh, they, they basically uh you know no matter what direction guess what you're stuck right here yeah uh, and they're all, uh, they're ultimately blinded in this scene, just like Emily, and then they disappear. So it's like yeah. I feel like they got stuck in this dimension now. Basically, is yeah. what it is. And the dimension was the painting that the warlock in the beginning was <laughs> making. Like yeah. the ending's great. I fucking love it's. It's honestly one of the best horror endings I've ever seen. Yeah, it like was really for good. for a movie that didn't really have much plot going for it, the ending there's still a payoff with the ending, which I think is remarkable. Yeah. That you still pulled it off to where you're just you still make me go holy shit by the end. Yeah, you know it was really. I good. I, I, I love I that it. ending. I, I liked it a lot. You know what's funny about that ending too, Nick, is that the bodies in the wasteland were just people off the street that they grabbed as extras and they paid yeah. them with alcohol. Oh, nice. So they were probably just like, dude, get hammered and lay here. Yeah. And the dude's like, all right, all right, sure. <laughs> That's great. Part of one of the greatest paintings of all time uh, for free yeah. beer. Yeah. Free 99. Free 99. So we're going to go into uh, the, well, actually before we do, well, no, we usually give a rating at the end, but yeah. so we're going to dip into the special effects a little bit. Uh, and they were achieved through uh, practical methods, of course. Yeah. And uh, the majority of special effects, intensive scenes were filmed on sound stages in Italy when you yeah. know some of it was filmed in New Orleans too so yeah uh, but uh, all of the uh, intense shit was done in Italy which makes sense yeah and uh, there was elaborate steps and hours spent properly achieving Fulci's desired visual outcome and uh, yeah the um, the actors had some challenges yeah. The chick that plays Emily, uh, when she's mauled by the dog to achieve the effect, the head of a fake dog was crafted, as well as a layered prosthetic neck in which the dog tears into with his teeth, obviously. Yeah. And uh, the the sequence alone took around three days to complete, with a dummy dog being manually puppeteered. <laughs> That's fucking wild. Yep. And the white contact lenses worn by several actors in the film were made of glass hand-painted with multiple shades of white enamel. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but that had to fucking hurt. Yeah, that wouldn't feel very good, having no. glass contacts in your eye. Although I think they were, I think contacts were made of glass before uh, they started making the uh, flexible ones. I don't know, were, were contacts even that's around pretty wild. back then? Or they're just like, here, stick this I think glass so. in your eye. They're described by both McCall and Warbeck as being very uncomfortable. Yeah. 
she uh, recalled that after completing the fi- film's final sequence, both her and Warbeck had difficulty removing them from their eyes. God <laughs> damn. Jesus Christ. The lenses uh, also, where am I? Shit, did I scroll yeah. down too much? You're where? right there. Where am I at? You're right up, up F, right there. F. Right there. Oh, yeah. The lenses also obscured the wearer's vision, yeah, rendering them, them completely blind. or nearly blind. So it's like, hey, play this blind person. By the way, you can't fucking see. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you were playing a blind person. And, uh, yeah, they, um, yeah. it was difficult for quite a few of the actors. Uh, all the scenes except one required em- the character that played Emily to wear them. Yeah. Uh, because she's obviously the blind one and she right. actually needed assistance navigating the sets. Like that's crazy. Yeah, that's you better be paying me some money to fucking ruin my eyeballs yeah. like that. And one of the film's more elaborate special effects sequences was the death scene of Martin Avery, who was attacked by a horde of tarantula spiders. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. Crafting the sequence was complicated, but proved to be simpler than expected. Special effects designer Gianetto De Rossi created half of a prosthetic mouth for the actor. Uh-huh. And then from latex and a dental cast that he obtained from a dentist. Some of the spiders were real, and the ones filmed biting at Avery's mouth and face were obviously fake. Yeah, because tarantulas. They're not like tarantulas hey, tarantula. don't <laughs> attack people. <laughs> They're like, hey, tarantula, now bite down. Yeah. And uh, close-ups of his real mouth were intercut with ones with his false mouth as he was getting bitten. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was actually a seamless image, really, with the bounce back and forth. Yeah, it, it looked really cool. good. Mm-hmm. The special effects during the film's first morgue scene in which of the here here's what Nick's favorite yeah. scene uh the special effects during the film's first morgue scene in which a bottle of acid is poured over the face of Mary Ann was created by effects artist Germano Natali did yeah. I say that right maybe yeah. to achieve the melting effect of the face real sulfuric acid was dumped over a cast of That's the actress's face wild. which was made of a mixture of wax and clay sulfuric acid dissolves the latter substance. Yeah. A similar dummy head was created to achieve the effect of the character of Joe's eyeball being gouged out. That's super wild. And during the crucifixion scene in the beginning, shown in the opening sequence, was also achieved via practical methods. Holes were cut for St. John to conceal his forearms being behind the cross, while dummy forearms filled with fake blood reservoirs were attached to the front. That's pretty cool. Yeah. They did a lot of crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, how about this one, Nick, for a little trivia? Bon Muraski of Grindhouse Releasing, who, who restored the film in 1998 as a film editor and used a shot from the film during the spider bite sequence in Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Oh, shit. Yeah, the first Raimi Spider-Man. Yeah. That's so cool. he basically used scenes from this movie during the spider sequence and put them in Spider-Man, Spider-Man when he gets bit by the spider. That's pretty has dope. The, has the fever. So there's like oh, certain yeah. flashes where it's actually yeah. the scene from this movie, which huh. is cool. I'll have to go back and watch Spider-Man Yeah, that's now. crazy. Uh, the Book of Ebon featured prom- predominantly throughout the film is the creation of American pulp fiction author, poet, and fine artist Clark Ashton Smith and is a reoccurring text associated with Cthulhu mythos cycle of literature initiated by the works of H.P. Lovecraft. Nice. The book, which... And the the book which deals uh, with various subjects, including the resurrection of the dead, dynamic magic, parallel dimensions, and other black magic subjects. That's great. So 
Uh, the book is actually a pretty big main character in this movie. Yeah, it is. You know, it brings the zombies in. It brings killer spiders and, yeah, and it sulfuric shows acid on, it your, shows up on a lot. your face. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, Swedish rock band Europe based the song Seven Doors Hotel from their first album on this film. The lyrics are basically a retelling of the plot of the film, and the song huh. became a big hit in Japan and is still a popular track at their live shows. Huh. Cray That's pretty cray. cool. Yeah. Many people have assumed Emily's brutal death scene from her eye-seeing dog biting her throat and ear off as gratuitous violence, which is a staple in most of directors Fulci's films. However, it was intended to be a visual, a bait gory interpretation of the phrase, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. She was blind from the view of hell, then was killed in such a brutal manner due to the warnings to uh, Liza. Yeah. So there you have that. Huh. The beyond. That cool. Yeah. The movie is fucking great. It's great. It is it's fun. It's, it's it's a fun time. I don't know. I don't know if I'd I'd start somebody out who wants to dip into Italian cinema with this film, but once you get no. in, once you dip your toe in the water, this is definitely one to check out for sure. I mean, my first Italian horror film was Suspiria, which was Which was like, mine was too. And I feel like it's just yeah, I think it's a good starter. Yeah. For sure. So the Beyond Nick one through five. Three and a half. Yeah, I was gonna do the same. Yeah, three and a half. So not like super rush out and see it, but no. like you said, I mean, it's not much of a plot. It's mostly just for great kills, right? Great practical effects, and a mostly. and a good score. And a good I mean, score. it does it does have a good plot, and the ending was good. Yeah, but there isn't much of a plot. No, like like I said, I watched this movie twice. I had it on repeat last night because I kept kind of falling in and out of it because it was like three in the morning. Uh, but I still knew what was going on the whole time. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's not much. Even though I might have missed a couple parts. Not much plot to a lot of these yeah. uh, Italian films, which is fine. I mean, he's he's done a bunch of other stuff. Fulci's done westerns, comedies. So you name it, he's done it. But yeah, definitely more known for the horror. I mean, Godfather Gore, man, it's not. You don't get that yeah. title by not being fucking super gory. You sure don't. Like every turn. <laughs> like it's wild. Like people think like today's movie, today's movies are tame compared to like the Italian movies of like the eighties. Yeah. For sure. Like if they use, if they use the CGI they have now to do some of the kills that he did in this movie, it would be super fucking brutal. Right, but I feel like it looks so. F- CGI yeah. just looks or so fake. If at they times. use the practi- even if they use practical effects that they can do now, right. it would look even more brutal. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So the Beyond, have you seen it? Let us know on our Facebook page if you have and what you thought of it. And if you did, if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Yeah, watch it. It's fun. Why'd you listen like- to us? <laughs> Fucking destroy it. Right. I mean, we didn't destroy it. No, not destroy it, it but spoil it. I mean, I mean we're about to destroy spoil it. Uh, people with uh, rotten toma- with throwing tomatoes coming up here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I'm going to go slightly easy on some of these people, though, because I feel like uh, with with something like this that you don't you shouldn't take it seriously. So I think the serious reviews are going to be the only ones that I like rip on because I yeah. feel like you like you said you don't watch this movie for plot and character development and a super good story so anybody that was expecting that and and then trashes it because it's not that doesn't understand what this film's trying to do so right. we'll uh we'll see what people uh thought about it when we get back throwing tomatoes is coming up next yeah we're back 
We are definitely back for yeah. throwing tomatoes yeah, for gonna, the beyond. We're going to throw tomatoes. These yep. guys gave it a negative review, and we're going to shit on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Although I could kind of see why some people would give it a negative review. Yeah, I mean, Dennis Dennis says uh, senseless and plotless horror, which he's right with gimmicky, sadistic <laughs> gore. He's right, yeah. but you we watch that. you watch Fulci for those two things. Yeah. So if you went into this expecting more than what he gave you, then you're watching the yeah. wrong movie. So you're for, just for some people, that is a positive review. Uh, Nick says, <laughs> atmosphere alone can't keep this creaky pseudo-zombie flick from rapidly decaying into confusing uh, derivative tedium. 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 We should have Nick read reviews because I always yeah. butcher them. I can read. I can't fucking read. Yeah. It's that. You want me to read It's Ken? that McDowell education. I didn't go yeah. to prep. <laughs> you want to say anything about Nick? Uh, You know, it. he says, you know, fake zombie flick. Yeah. But like I said, the studio was like, you need to have zombies. Right. They made so him do it. So I feel as though it wasn't supposed to be a zombie flick and right. I feel like it still isn't. Yeah, I mean it is, but it isn't. I mean the undead rising from hell uh, kind of makes you a zombie, regardless of what you look like. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a zombie is a dead person that's still walking around, and you know these people that that died when the the gates of hell opened, uh, you know they're the undead and and they come back reanimated. So yeah. uh, a reanimated dead person is basically a zombie. So right. I wouldn't call it a fake yeah. zombie flick. I mean. I feel like that wasn't the direction he was trying to go for in the beginning yeah. anyway. So, the studio is just like, we want zombies. So and he's like, okay, I guess I'll give I, you zombies. I guess that's what you get for listening to a studio is you get a review from Nick that, yeah. uh, that slams what you didn't want to do in the first place. Right. But if you don't do your homework, you don't know that. So we'll give Nick a pass. Like I said, th- yeah. these ones aren't going to be as brutal because, I mean, right. you're going to tear the fact that... You know, it's not easily digestible. The, you know, the the fast food cinema, as I like to call right. it, it's not one of those. So if you're going into it wanting one of those, of course you're going to review it badly. I mean, what was what were the scores in this one, Nick? It was uh, 67 critic score, 76 audience. Score. So obviously the fans are digging it a lot. Yeah, the more. fans like it. 10% more than the which yeah. most of the time isn't that how Rotten Tomatoes usually works? Or yeah, is, yeah, sometimes. The audience score is higher than the critic score. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. And Ken, uh, go ahead, Nick. You can read Ken's. I want to read Ed's. Fulcio Opus with inexplicable cult following, which of of course Ken. Yeah. uh, I mean, he gave it two out of five. Yeah, Fulci does have a cult following. Mm -hmm. Especially this. I guess this movie really did too, because in the beginning, a lot of the countries edited this film deeming it too violent yeah and uh during like the vhs like dvd bootleg era uh some fans were still getting their hands on the uncut yeah and you know from 1981 to like 98 they finally got the uncut released in in the u.s and sometimes when movies do that like when they get Band for stuff like that, they get more of a cult fall. Right, and right. People and like want to see it more. That's and where I was get, going. Like, these people that are really all about it because it was banned, and they just want to be like, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but right. I, I mean, and I feel like that happens a lot with uh, independent, more uh, artsy 
takes on films yeah. is that when you see a lot of films that win, you know, the these Cane film festivals and, and stuff like that, when you have, like, Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future, like Julia with, like, Ra or uh, Titan, I feel like they have that base to where they will eventually become cult classics themselves because right. it's not the norm and it picks up a fan base. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, look at like Pulp Fiction and uh, and like Boondock Saints. Like, right. Like not super, super successful films when they first came out. But, but now, over time, yeah. it's like who didn't have a Boondock Saints poster in their bedroom? <laughs> like I did. I still do. And you know people are getting tattoos of it and shit, and it, and you can get blankets and and yeah. and you know lamps and and the director now has a Boondock Saints whiskey. Like, do you really think yeah. he thought back when Boondock Saints came out that he'd be making whiskey? Fucking twenty some years later, hell to the no. And so, I can I can recite the prayer when they off people. <laughs> <laughs> really, the yeah. whole thing? Yeah. Oh my gosh, you were yeah. amazing. I don't think I could do that. So, uh, Ed. Gonzalez, he uh, he reviewed it in May 4, 2001, and in November 5, 2002. So a year later, he had to put another review for some reason. But <laughs> in a one, he said, it's never clear what's happening, where the characters are running to, why corpses are hooked up to EKG machines, uh-huh. and why imaginary characters are prone to the sufferings of the flesh. And it just goes back to, like I said, there's times when they're filming this where they just like, filmed a scene on that day just to film it so that's why it feels like that but like if you don't know that and you're going into this obviously you're going to feel the same way that ed does yeah and that and i didn't even uh i didn't think about that why the uh the corpses in the morgue were hooked up to ekg machines and the one started beeping oh yeah because he had a heartbeat yeah yeah and then uh no2 even by argento standards falchi's film is nonsensical to the point of distraction so he's basically saying it's all over the place yeah, which I mean, yeah, it is. It was, but I like it for that. Me too. So it's like some of these uh, negative reviews are kind of positive reviews. Oh, in my there's eyes, so. there's Ebert, dude, the best of the best. Oh yeah, Roger Ebert, you fuck. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. he's he's known, but he's always right. been known to like shit on like movies that, which makes sense. I guess when it comes to like we said, cult followings is like Roger Ebert tends to shit on movies that eventually become cult followings yeah. so he might crap on them but then 20 years later everybody loves them type of deal right and he said the plot involves excuse me for a moment while i laugh uncontrollably at having written the words the plot involves yeah. which is so, what we I talked mean, about yeah. in the beginning of this podcast right you know? even from the start we said so, this movie doesn't have much of a plot and he gave it 0.5 out of four dude he was probably snoozing more than you were yeah he shitted upon it yeah, real bad. Real, yeah. real bad. He uh, but on it. Like I said, there's been movies that he's reviewed that have become uh, amazingly popular that he just didn't like. And he's always been known to kind of crap on the horror genre itself. Yeah. I, I'm I'm I'd be interested to even see what he what he gave the original Halloween. I wonder if it's on there. Let's see. So those those are all the reviews for uh well for all the rotten reviews tomatoes. for the beyonds. Yeah. It wasn't too much. And yeah. A lot of people kind of said what we said, but like mm-hmm. I said, uh, let's see if he pops up on here. No, nope. he didn't. Hmm. He might, he might've gave that one a good one. I, I can't remember if it was Friday the 13th or something. Something's become extremely popular. He like crapped on. He's, eh. he's done that a few times. Yeah. But yeah. But so yeah, that's, so that's, uh, 
I mean, those reviews kind of went the way we thought they were going right, to. I yeah. feel we even we said we most even of said the things it. that yeah, they said yep. at the beginning, which so. is which, like we said, that's if 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 uh, you know, amazing plot and character development is what you're into, then you're just not going to like this yeah. film. You won't like most Fulci movies. No, <laughs> actually, probably zero. Yeah, it's mostly I mean, just I've, gratuitous. You're a Western fan. Kills. I've I've never seen any of his westerns, but. Not, I haven't either. Not, not I should check them sure, out. Not uh, sure what the plot's going to be there either. So. Yeah, I should I check them out. Yeah, I don't know how many he did, but I, I feel like maybe his westerns will have more of a story, a cohesive story than his horror movies. Or maybe not. He might not. He probably doesn't just go for gratuitous kills and gore in his yeah, westerns. Know. You know, I've, I've never dug deep enough to know. I so mean, I have to check. It'd be out. weird if he did, but yeah, yeah. like you said, I I doubt it because he's been known for so many other genres that. I'm sure he approaches them yeah. differently than than what he does with uh, with all the gore that he loves so much and, yeah, that, and to, that we love too. I'll I mean, have to find his uh, westerns. Some people are against the gory gore movies because they feel like that's all they go for, and people want a little more substance. But if you're a a gore fan, or you know, like like Saw kind of took that gore thing and kind of made like torture porn type, and some people are into that, some people aren't, and. And if you're into like just the needless amounts of gore, uh, and I wouldn't say needless because he's known for it. And and when you're watching his films, that's what you're watching them for. If you like it, then uh, this is definitely one for you. So yeah. check it out if you are a, a gore f- fan or a gore whore. I yeah. guess is the gore whore. the new term I'm going to use. Uh, I just made that up on a whim. Look yeah. at me, Nick, being smart here. That might be a, the name of the episode. On a beautiful. Uh, beautiful sunny day here in Erie Pa. It's, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's hot as fuck outside. It's though. hot as dick. Speaking of hot, we got some hot news coming in, Nick. Some hot yeah. news. Our friends over at Erie Horror Fest are having an event Saturday, Saturday, July 9th from 6 to 10, and it's a fundraiser for the Erie Horror Fest called Halloween in July. Yeah. Uh, you can get your tickets at eventbrite, that's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot com. Uh, tickets are $25 for general admission, and it's at uh, 1909 Chestnut Street in Erie. And it says spooky season cannot come soon enough. Join the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania for food, drinks, a costume contest, and more to support Erie Horror Fest, our film and gaming festival coming up this fall. The four-day event will feature experiences for anyone that enjoys entertainment and horror, including short and feature-length films, Video game demonstrations, a screening of the silent film Nosferatu with a live pipe organ accompaniment, uh, celebrity meet and greets, cast and crew Q&As, panel discussions, vendors, parties, and more. And because they don't think the undead should have to wait till October to have some eerie fun, they're hosting a Halloween in July theme party that will help support the programming for the main events and ensure the success of the unique downtown cultural event that is Eerie Horror Fest. Costumes and spooky attire are encouraged. Bring your A game for a beer pong tournament, $5 a game. Oh, I'm, I'm not that good at beer pong. I'm better at uh, at cornhole. Yeah. Yeah, beer pong was never my go-to. I mean, I love it. I enjoy it. I've never, always never good at it. I always haven't been too bad at it. I used to be good at flip cup, but now that I'm older, I don't have the reflexes that I used yeah. to. Yeah. I haven't played flip cup in so long. But I don't know if I'm still good at it or not. Beer pong, like some people are like, well, the drunker I get, the better I am. And it's like, I don't know. I'm bad at that. I maybe, have more maybe, fun at it when I'm drunk. Maybe I'm just a bad aim because I'm horrible at darts too. Yeah, but, that uh, might be it. But the beer pong tournament, $5 a game. Weather permitting, they'll have outdoor activities such as cornhole. There we go. Nice. 
Uh, there will be scary movies projected in the dance party space, and uh, the passes are not available right now for pre-sale, and there's limited capacity for the event, so get your tickets before they're gone. Eventbrite.com, 25 bucks general admission, uh, Halloween in July. Yeah. So that will be fun. Yeah, check it out yeah. if you don't have anything going on. Yeah, on Saturday, Saturday July 9th. Yeah, We I mean, may not make it because we have a wedding yeah, day before. Yeah, we, uh, we have my twin brother's wedding that weekend, so we will not be there, unfortunately, but you can be. Yeah. And that's why we let you know about yeah, it. Yeah, go help them out. For and, sure, uh, yeah. Help out yeah. a good cause, have fun. I mean, who doesn't want to run some cornhole and uh, some beer pong? Is that it for your news? And that is it for my news. Yeah, so I don't really have any horror news, but... No. I uh, we have a new idea here. Yeah, that yeah. let us know if you w- want us to do it. It won't be a uh, every week or even every two week thing, but it might be a little spin off thing we do every once in a while when new uh, new music comes out that we really like. Yeah, like the yeah. new uh, new Coheed and Cambry album just came out this past Friday, and uh, we were talking about it earlier. And I was like, we should record this and. Uh, yeah, Nick release I, it as an episode. Nick and I have the same brainwaves when it comes to movies and and music, really. Yeah. So we uh, we might dip into that and then, pond. Uh, you know, we got a new Alter Bridge album coming soon, and Seven Dust, and yeah. So we might just start uh, doing uh, whenever new music comes out from bands we really love. We might start doing uh, just sit here and do episodes just talking about, about the it. new albums and stuff. Yeah. So uh, so look for that. Let we'll us know if you want to do that. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Yeah. For sure, but Full Juicy Beyond, go check it out. Uh, Halloween in July, uh, 6 to 10. Yeah. July 8th. It's a Saturday, so go support those guys as well. And, and send uh, us mailbag questions. Mailbag, and as buy always. And uh, com for the merch. Yeah. Uh, rate and subscribe. Rate and follow on uh, Apple Podcasts, yeah. Spotify, uh, and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. And uh, we will see you guys again for... Episode 22 coming soon. This has been an yeah. Idiotville production, and we out. Yeah. Peace outside. Don't get acid spilled on your face. Do not get acid spilled on your face, and don't let dogs tear your throats out. Gore whore. Gore whore. Be good. Yeah.